0: Happened to bridge, Spock here. Make so Surrender is not an option. Attention, crew of the Enterprise. This is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores.
1: We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is.
0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to a special patron-only episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. And joining me today are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stieke. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. So as you know by now, CBS All Access launched the new animated Star Trek series called Star Trek Lower Decks. We have reached the the end of the first season, but as a special benefit to patrons, we have been discussing our first impressions of each episode and sharing them first exclusively with you, our patrons, and later making them available as a big giant compilation to the general uh, secrets of Star Trek audience to let them know, hey, these are the kinds of things you can experience with uh, if you become a patron. So, uh, we're now finally reached the last episode of the first season. This episode is called "No Small Parts,"
2: and that's a half of a classic Hollywood mm-hmm. aphorism. Mm-hmm. There are no small parts; only small actors. <laughs> right. And the the idea is that e- that if you're a good actor, you can take even a very small role and, in a in a film and make something out of it. Yes. And yeah. that seems to be the thesis statement of Lower Decks itself. Because mm-hmm. all of our main characters, um, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are what would be considered small parts yes. on the on a normal Star Trek series
1: and they're not small at all. They're our main characters.
0: Yes. Yep. Yes. So yeah, it's and of course of- you got
1: yeah. you got the double meaning of, you know, you got the the Paclids harvesting parts, no matter <laughs> right. how small they are. You know, right. so you got kind of the double meaning there too, but
0: this is another episode hmm. that has a ton of references to uh, previous Star Trek, you know, uh, yeah. stories and, and by, characters. And,
2: and, and by references, Dom means fan
0: service. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. uh, yes.
1: <laughs> this this is this is a fan geeks episode. Well, this really is. I mean, what and is of lower? We're all yeah. Well, what is, is lower decks but
0: a giant fan service, you know, uh, series? I mean, that's really what it is, right? Yeah, it's all inter, yeah. you know, inside jokes and that sort of thing, which is great. Uh, so let's start at the at, start at the very beginning, as Julie Andrews sang, and uh, we will. the The Cerritos is back at the planet called Beta Three, where the people used to worship a computer called Landru until Kirk in the Enterprise stopped them in the TOS episode "Return of the Archons." Uh, but the the joke here is they've gone back to worshipping Landru, <laughs> the people yeah. after having been freed from this <laughs> tyrannical computer that was running Did- their lives.
1: Despite there's a Starfleet sticker saying, do not worship, or do, you know, <laughs> do not obey, <laughs> do not, yeah. not obey. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and and this is the first time on screen we've revisited that culture. And there, there are lots of cultures like that all through Star Trek that we see them once and never
1: again. Yes. And that's kind of one of the points of this episode, part of the plot of the episode is the fact that they have their first contact maybe even a second contact but then they're forgotten about
0: right we never well yeah the starfleet sort of that's actually they kind of make this point in the episode is starfleet is good at making first contact but not so good on the follow-up you know they're not so good on their follow-through mm-hmm. and making sure people are okay after we've encountered them the first time uh which is kind of funny yeah uh, i i saw this uh, there's a website that takes lower decks way more seriously than it should and it's like well, yeah. this. This is biting commentary on Starfleet oh, by lower decks. Oh yes! Like, uh, come on, it's 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 a farce comedy. I mean, it's supposed to be yeah. biting, like fun biting commentary. Not they're not it, really comment. You know, criticizing the rest of Star Trek in that series of fashion.
1: It might be alpha canon, but it's really on that jagged line, yeah. whether or not it should be yeah <laughs> although this
2: this uh, this episode pushes it farther in the direction of lower deck being ca- lower decks being canon than oh yes anything we've seen before yeah. as we'll Yes, we'll talk about when we get to the end of it um i like mariner's act of rebellion on the planet beta 3 is to beam down without
0: permission and hand out art supplies to the children right yeah <laughs> well that's that was part of the original episode right there was no creativity on the planet there was no independent thought. Right, yeah. yeah. Yep
2: yeah and i like how when she's handing out the art supplies she doesn't know the name of a compass and so she refers to it as a spiky pencil twirly thing
0: (laughs) 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 right uh another thing that that happens here is ransom talking about the first officer ransom talking to captain freeman referring to the original enterprises missions as the tos era and freeman's like (laughs) tos Oh, those old scientists, that's how I refer to them. They encountered new aliens yeah. nearly every week. <laughs> so TOS is refer, reference to the Enterprise era is now canon, uh, apparently. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Boimler, so in the midst of Boimler helping Freeman hand out, I mean, Mariner hand out all the art supplies, accidentally on an open channel back to the ship reveals Freeman and, Bo- and Mariner's secret of being mother, daughter to everyone on the ship so Boymiller sticks his foot in it again uh and that creates the the main tension and problems of this episode uh we we also get to see the the rub the crew of the rubidoo again we saw them a few episodes ago where their ship got destroyed uh and the cerritos Mm -hmm. crew had to rescue them so now they have a new ship called the solvang
2: another that's up in the la area in Santa Barbara County, if I recall correctly,
1: uh, kind of interesting note: the, the Solvang's number is NCC twelve one hundred one. Yeah, well, Solvang is off of Highway one hundred one, <laughs> okay. US one hundred
0: one. Okay, so yeah, they couldn't just call it NCC one hundred one because that's that number's probably been used. Yeah,
2: I- I'm waiting for the ship to Beverly Hills, and its number will be nine hundred two.
0: Gosh, I'm surprised that hasn't I'm happened. I'm a little surprised it hasn't <laughs> happened too. Uh, I like how the the captain of the Solvang, the uh, the former captain of the Rubidoux. It's it's brand new, so we have to like don't tear the film off of the the pads, like the uh, the control pads. Yeah. And no one <laughs> is allowed to wear shoes on the new carpet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she wants to keep it as pristine as possible, yeah, for as long as possible. And wow, does that wish! go badly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. of course
0: a scary alien ship shows up and destroys it like almost immediately after that. <laughs> so
2: they've grabbed us
0: with some sort of mining arm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of. They didn't say some kind of, but it's this it's in the 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 same the thing.
1: same genre. Uh yeah. Was kind of, I like the interesting effect, though, where, you know, you got a hold of it, the warp nacelle. So, they, of course, they say go to warp, which is why. <laughs> yeah, right. And immediately the ship just vaporizes.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Don't go to warp when something's holding onto your nacelle. Uh, then we have another uh, side plot back on the Cerritos of Tendi is the orienta- orientation officer for a new crew member. A, this ad- Another reference to an, an old uh, episode, this one, a TNG, TNG. episode, quality of life. A sentient exocomp. This was an episode where Data finds out that these robots have have attained sentience and therefore have free will. Any mutinies. Yes, yep. yes. In order to save them, um, and uh, so this is they've uh, apparently they've applied to <laughs> Starfleet like Data and this <laughs> this exocomp who has uh, decided to find the what was it the the an algorithm to find the most appropriate the best possible name, uh, and it's Peanut Hamper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, which of course tindy loves because that's just who tindy is Tendy loves everything yeah. and yep. and
2: so we have Instant peanut hamper as <laughs> as our new the, exocomp crew person
1: and i love the touch that they actually the exocomp was painted in a uniform right pattern
2: yes right, the where pattern- it's like the
1: blue uniform right
2: well, and, and she's in the medical division.
0: And yep. again, they're playing with expectations. So the peanut hamper at first seems incompetent, like and unable to do her job. But then, when it comes time to do Tendy's job for her, she's super competent and makes Tendy look bad, like makes Tendy look incapable mm-hmm. of doing the job. So there's a there's that. But, but Tendy loves
2: it because it's her success when her student succeeds. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Like that whole plays with your expectations. Um, so Cerrito, meanwhile, gets a partial distress call from the Solvang and has to go check it out.
2: Oh, and and for speaking of subverting expectations, for once, they're not the only ship in range. Right. The right. Titan is also in range, but it's like, eh, we got this.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. How hard could it be? Um, Mariner, meanwhile, is now dealing with everyone knowing that she's the captain's daughter and everyone's treating her differently, trying to suck up to her, It you know, vicariously suck up to the captain through
1: her. Including the guy who thinks that Wolf Three Five Nine was an inside job, which <laughs> yeah. I guess you could technically say it was. Yeah, yeah. And what was the other thing he said too? He, he referenced
0: another conspiracy. Oh yeah, theory. the changelings aren't real, and the Dominion War didn't happen. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and Mariner went on the, went on a date with this guy once. I mean, that was best <laughs> part. Uh, so uh, so she decides I can't I can't stay here anymore. So she's going to transfer to another ship, and th- thus, in order to get a transfer she has to be all regulation and everything she has to be now she has to be a good officer and which freaks out boimler because that's that's his that's his shtick is to be yeah. the perfect officer
1: it, it was it, he was kind of like i don't want you to actually be a better officer i just want you to pretend to be one once in a while <laughs> right
0: right so the cerritos <laughs> when it gets to the where the rubita was killed uh they find out that the aliens that attacked them are packlets against subverting expectations the Packlets packlets were the joke species they were too dumb yeah. to, to really do anything
2: they were from the tos episode the samaritan snare which is one of the most painful tos yes. episodes out there tos or tng i'm sorry
0: TNG. Oh, yeah, TNG. Yeah. Okay. TNG. I, I for a second i misremembered yeah yeah that was
1: very painful and that was another data episode uh, it's interesting yeah
0: so uh it turns out they've been attacking ships and take adding their distinctiveness and superior technology to their own to make them more powerful so in other words the pack led have kind of become dumb borgs <laughs> yeah. which so they're now more powerful than the starfleet ships and they keep they keep thinking every starfleet ship they see is the enterprise we've got you now enterprise <laughs> not like that yeah. other
2: enterprise another uh, enterprise
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so uh freeman realizes that following the, the regulations and going by the book isn't going to save them so she orders Mariner to come up with one of her half baked solutions that she would hate,
2: yeah, by the way this things are just to give people a sense of what 's happening at this point in the episode. The packleds have have ripped off one of the nacelles mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. um of of the cerritos. Which, according to Star Trek Enterprise Silent Enemy, means that they can't go to warp now because they don't have two functioning nacelles. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, And also, they are using really gigantic laser beams to carve up the Cerritos. I mean, these are like... We see uh, this. This is very dramatic, and we're seeing the ship from the inside being carved up with these huge, like walls of phaser energy, just moving through the hallways, chopping yeah. stuff in half.
0: Yeah, this is like when the uh, the 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 Borg cube was. Taking core samples out of the uh, Enterprise yeah. uh, in, in, in TNG. <laughs> Only
2: more, much more dramatic than that. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and yeah.
2: so the pack leads are, despite their lack of communication skills, and actually in the original episode where they appeared, we were told, don't confuse their simplicity of speech with being stupid. Yes. Right. and And they are played here as an effective threat. I mean, yes, they're a joke also, but they are an effective
0: threat here. Right. Yeah. So Mariner's solution is a ha- to hack the Packard computers. Um, I'm not sure why that's half baked or not regulation because I could, oh. I could see data coming up with that.
2: Yeah. So the um, but there is a nice explanation for why this would work because they've patched together a system from multiple different ships from multiple different species and right. to get all mm-hmm. those pieces working together they can't have had time to build a robust antivirus software <laughs> that's going to let them right. all work together and be immune from outside influence that's
0: yeah that's yeah that's the, the trouble of open source you, you you just you can't effectively guard <laughs> against such viruses and hacking uh, or something so <laughs> So, uh Rutherford goes back to badgie remember badgie and uses him to create a virus that that ha- but it has to be installed manually on the Packlet ship. Only and you'll have to turn
2: off the safety protocols first, father, if you want me to make a destructive <laughs> <Yep>. virus.
0: <laughs> so, and then they determine only Peanut Hamper, the exocomp can could possibly do it, and she refuses. Like she's like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here and beams I'm off here, the ship. Yeah. <laughs> like cuz that's what happened in the original uh TNG episode was it refused to put itself in danger and that sh- proved it was sentient.
2: Yeah, it also is a nice subversion of expectations because the logic points to oh of course Peanut Hamper is going to be the one to deliver the virus. So nope.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So <laughs> Rutherford has to go. I like she also yep. says something
2: like I only joined Starfleet to get away from home.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So uh, uh Rutherford's the only one who can do it. Uh, meanwhile, the Pakled have sent uh, boarders to invade the ship. Um, and so Shax, the Bajoran security chief, takes Rutherford to the Pakled ship uh, in the midst of this boarding action. Uh, but it turns out Badgey has sabotaged the virus and sets a self-destruct instead on the Pakled ship.
2: The I really like this sequence here where... Um... Now Shax dies here, yes. at least apparently. Yep. And but even before that, I had in my notes Shax shines.
0: Yes, because
2: mm-hmm. he's he's really finally getting to do his action hero bit, and we're getting to see it. And there are consequences, yep. and he's really awesome here. Yeah, I really and he's enjoying like... every minute of it. He's just <laughs> yeah. grinning from ear to ear as he's beating up the Packlids. Yeah, and so when Badgie turns um as expected uh mm-hmm. shacks rips off rutherford's prosth- you know Imp- head prosthetic yeah. uh and and puts him in the shuttlecraft and then physically shoves the shuttlecraft out back out into space from where it's done a ramming board yes mm-hmm. on the pack led ship and so he shoves it back into space and is like Says something like, you know, stay safe, baby bear, or something like <laughs> that. <them> baby bear, <laughs> yeah, because because Rutherford was briefly briefly part of the bear pack security team. That's right. Um, yeah. And and then the self destruct goes off. And if you slow down the motion, if you slow down the playback of the explosion we get these different shots of what's happening as the pack led ship is exploding. And one of them is Shaq's
0: has a pack in a headlock and is just enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Shax goes out the way he wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so Shaq's uh, uh, there's consequences on, on lower decks. People die.
1: It's uh, they're not afraid mm-hmm. of killing off characters here. However, remember the star Trek rule. Nobody. They're not really dead, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Stephen
0: Moffat must be in charge here. So uh, before they can, uh, the the Cerritos can escape. Three more pack led ships show up, but then the Titan arrives. Then this is another Enterprise. <laughs> yes. Yep. The Titan is Will Riker's ship. We we know that from Star Trek Nemesis, right? Well, first contact. Nemesis. Yeah. Nemesis right. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis. That uh, that uh, Riker was going to be captain of the Titan, and Troy was going with him. And so that saves him. And so we, here we have Riker and Troy. And thus, Jonathan Frakes is now the only Star Trek regular cast member to appear in six different Star Trek television series. He was Thomas mm-hmm. Riker on Deep Space Nine. So that's technically he wasn't yeah. Will Riker. Well, and I,
1: actually, I think I was going to say, I thought uh, Will Riker showed up. No, he didn't show up no, on Deep Space Nine. No, he mind. was just Thomas. think of something else. And
0: then together, Fra- uh, Frakes and certus are the first Star Trek actors to portray the same character on five different series. So
1: throw that in there. There, you know, everybody who's fans of the beta canon books and things like that. Yes. They're, they're they're immediately cheering because people have been asking for when, like when Picard was first announced, let us see the Titan. You know, we, we know that he's, he's been on the Titan for years. Let us see the Titan. And it's, Finally shown up in Alpha Canon on screen. Yes, it is Not nice. Not just as a mention.
0: Yes, uh, I, 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 it would be cool to see a Titan series, but uh, Frakes is too old to do it now, so it, it could be and, an animated also, series.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also <laughs> mention that as, as the Titan shows up, the TNG theme starts in the background.
0: Yes, yes, that was yeah. very nice, and it makes short work of the of the packlets.
2: Yep. And as you would expect, this is a comedic version of Riker, and the showrunner when he approached. Um, Jonathan Frakes about reprising his role yes he said I want you to do Riker but I want you to do a crazy cut loose version of Riker and <laughs> Frakes was apparently like you have no idea because <laughs> because he's been he's been holding it in and reining yeah. it in his yeah. natural zany tendencies yes. all these years to play the straight-laced Will Riker
0: <laughs> apparently yeah. for, one, for one thing Riker is the source of all of Mariner's contraband <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like they're, they're old friends, of course. Yeah, so all the all the weird stuff and, that she's accumulated came from Riker,
1: <laughs> and, and Captain Freeman, or he was Captain Freeman's uh, mentor? mentor, support, mentor. Yeah. yeah, and got in so much trouble with her. <laughs> Although he's, she says,
2: I don't remember it that way. Yes, I think like <laughs>
0: Boimler and Mariner. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, wh- one thing to to follow up on when Rutherford awakes in sickbay, his memory is gone. Uh, and so he doesn't mm-hmm. remember Tendy. And again, subverting But that's great because we
2: get to become best friends all over again. <laughs> right. You think she's going to be sad.
0: <laughs> uh, Freeman, Captain Freeman, determines that she needs to keep Mariner around her unorthodox ways so that they, you know, because that balances off her risk by the book regulation thing. So it gives her a way to think outside the box. And then again, breaking expectations. Boimler takes a promotion, takes the promotion to the Titan that uh, Mariner was going for. And Mariner's mad. She's like leaving him yeah. nasty voicemails on his pad on the Titan. Uh, once well, it, he gets over well, there, I, I like the
1: way they, I like way They play that too. Where of course, Riker comes up and start talking to, to Mariner and just drops the pad in front of Boimler. Right. And right. just like, I heard you're a good one. Here you go. Yeah. And he's just like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So Boimler gets his promotion. Finally, he's on a, on a, you know, a first contact style ship, you know, the whole thing. Uh, so, uh, I'm and, and curious. Next, next to the
1: pad where he's getting next to the pad where he's getting the messages uh-huh. there's a plaque the Boymuller effect plaque is sitting there <laughs> on his table <laughs> the
0: Boimler effect nice so uh so then that sort of leaves open the question of what's going to happen next season you know obviously he's got to get back to Cerritos, right well
2: maybe Maybe. Not immediately. Mm-hmm. The, so, there was a, a Ready Room episode that I know Father and I have had a chance yep. to watch with Will Wheaton, where he interviewed the cast and the showrunner. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. they dropped a few hints about next season. One of them is the Titan and Riker and Troy are going to be back, and they are not at least immediately going to be undoing the transfer. Yep. Nice. So, Boimler's going to be having to adjust to life on the Titan. And they're going to, they're, you know, they're going to have to adjust to his absence on the Cerritos and they're going to have a new sh- security chief on the Cerritos um, to replace Shacks. Although there was some question of will they undo Shax's death All and right. when when Will Wheaton put that question Because he said, you know, on Star Trek, it's only it's always kind of death with a wink. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. because you can bring people back. Um, And when he put the question of was this a real death or is he coming back to the voice actor for Shaxx, he ducked the question and said, Uh, I'll have to let the showrunner speak to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So we may get Shaxx back. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And you know, of course, they, they they always do the flashbacks or whatever, right, but- right,
0: right, or yeah. mirror universe, or you know, they they've done it yeah. various ways. So we'll see. It'd be neat to see a mirror
2: universe Shaxx who's like incredibly meek and humble.
0: <laughs> That's right. That was that <laughs> well, he's, he's a Vedic.
2: He's a Vedic on on Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I, I like how at the end of the episode when Mariner is talking to Freeman and, and about Shaq's and it's like, I hope wherever he is, he's shouting in someone's face and ejecting a warp core. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I'd like to think so.
0: So so this. This concludes the season. What, what do but you guys oh go
1: ahead? One more one more thing. Uh when when Riker comes onto the bridge of the Titan to, to take off, he go, he says, I was down watching the first Enterprise yeah. on the uh on the on holodeck. Boy, the they sure had a long road to go. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> getting from there to here. Yes, that's
1: right. That's right.
0: <laughs> so uh, as as we say, we've we've kind of come to the end of the well, not just kinda of, we've come to the end of the first season of lower deck. So what do you think? I mean I, I was kind of trepidatious at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and I think we all were, but what do you think? How? No. Oh, you weren't. Okay. All right. I, well, I, mm-hmm. I, I was, and I think father Corey, where yeah, you? you?
1: I, I was, yeah. Okay, so I, you I definitely, and I were. you know, I, you know, I, yes, I was, I was pretty open about it when, uh, when we was first announced and then again, you know, when we started recording it, it's like I really didn't know what to expect because, of course, they said, oh, it's from a guy who worked on Rick and Morty. And I'm sitting there going, I really don't like Rick and Morty. I'm one of those people that really can't stand Rick and Morty. I don't want yeah. this to be Rick and Morty in space. And it didn't take very long to win me over. I, I'm, I'm disappointed it's only 10 episodes. I want more <laughs> episodes now.
0: <laughs> well, Jimmy, so what? how do you feel about the first season
1: then? I think it went fine.
2: Um I I think it uh you know going into it I recognized there was a potential that they could do it wrong, but I thought the odds were that they were going to do it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think on balance they did. And so I was I was positive on the series before it started and I remained positive throughout with some exceptions. You know, I wish they dialed back some of the less family-friendly stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the humor was good. They really made a point of subverting expectations, which was great. Um, they, I mean, in just episode after episode, they took well-established tropes and then subverted them for comedic effect. Um, the humor was very affectionate poking Mm -hmm. fun at Star Trek. It was not mean spirited at all. It's clear they, the creators love Star Trek. And so this is humor coming from a good place. There were uh, the only episode that I thought, I mean, there may have been others if I w- reviewed them one by one. But the one I only really remember one that I thought didn't perform particularly well by the end. Now, there were some that started slow, but then it's like, oh, now I see what they're doing. And it came together Yeah. by the end of the episode. The one that didn't perform was episode number nine where right. I think they really went over the line. I mean, there were elements of that that were great, but then I think they really went over the line with Mariner's aggression towards her holographic mother. Yeah. And it's like, there's some things you don't do even in a holodeck. Yeah. Um, yeah. But other than that, I thought the series was was nicely done. I thought the final episode did what I wanted. It it kind of it pulled things together from the whole season, Um, and gave us a big dramatic ending with consequences. That was one of my questions going in was, will this change the status quo ante and how? And it definitely Mm -hmm. did that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the introduction of the Titan, Boimler leaving the ship and Shaxx dying. Those are all big status changes. Yeah. Um, And so... So I thought it was I thought it, the final episode in particular was very well done. And, you know, on at, at our time of recording we did today, we did three episodes and uh, for different Star Trek series. And mm-hmm. actually, this is the one I was most excited about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know. One thing, uh, Jimmy, you mentioned about how, you know, it's clear that the people who are running the show really love Star Trek. And I don't think we've ever mentioned, but Mike McMahon, who is the uh, director or the producer of this, he wrote the TNG season eight Twitter feed that later became a book. Hmm. Uh... So he he was he was writing for Star Trek because this this this. uh. TNG season eight was kind of a, again, a fictionalized what were plot points or plot storylines that they would use if there had been a season eight of TNG and it was, it was comedy. I mean, it was, it was played for comedy, but it was also done kind of the same way as this, where it was done of, you can see these being reasonable plot lines, but done in kind of a comedic way.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, so, I mean, he really was someone who enjoyed Star Trek, who was a Star Trek fan. And, you know, you can imagine for somebody like that, where it's like, now you get to produce a Star Trek show. You're going to pour that love into it, you know?
0: In a sense, it's like the Orville and uh, what's his name? Uh, Seth um, McFarlane. McFarlane, who yeah. created that. He loves Star Trek. He poured that into a, a Star Trek clone, essentially, uh, yep. which started more broad comedy and has become more dramatic over time. And Mm -hmm. uh, you can see that 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 there and that's I felt like Lower Decks was frankly,
2: this is better than the Orville by a lot.
0: I think so, too. To my mind. Yeah, Uh, I I, this is a a bit of a love letter to the fans. I mean, this is really Mm -hmm. aimed at Star Trek fans, all of the the in jokes, the 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 situations, the 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 like you said, loving uh, poking fun. I mean, all of that in there. This is a this is a series that's really aimed directly at the fan base uh and and i i i
1: enjoy it i'm looking forward to more so hopefully this time next year we'll be talking about season 2 yeah, that would be nice and season 3 beyond that it's
0: easier to yep. make uh, uh animated shows from home in lockdown right they can record
1: yeah. anyway, voices
0: on uh from home etc
1: and we, we do know they are actively, as we said, they are actively working on season two right now. So I mean, they could be getting to the point where scripts are being finalized. And oh yeah, they're there. You know. Yep,
0: and getting so, the animation going. So yeah. it could
1: be any time now. They could actually do you know starting to do all the work that goes into it. So
0: uh, sad to say, we're more likely to see another lower deck season before we see a Picard season. But uh, only because I'm looking forward to uh, season two of Picard. But we'll we'll see how that goes. All right, I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of star trek and all the shows at StarQuest. we could not do this without your continued financial support so thank you uh so that's it from us what did you think of no small parts and the first season of star trek lower decks you can let us know by visiting this post on patreon and leaving some feedback or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com you can always subscribe to the Secrets of Star Trek by visiting sqpn.com slash trek. Until next time, Jimmy Akin. Thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you and warp me. And Father Corey Stiga, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bethanelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest, and remember, give me warp
2: in the factor of five, six, seven, eight.
1: Oh, the jazz.